0: So a number of years ago, I had a really unique opportunity to go and visit one of our global partners around the world, and I'd never been to this particular country before. As so we were preparing to go to this country, uh, our global partner wanted to make really sure that we were prepared for what we were about to experience, because the country we were going to has a really uh, unique kind of dynamic to it. It's very unstable economically and politically. I think there'd been a couple of military coups uh, in the years sort of preceding our visit. Uh, and so we got a lot of information, we read up a lot of different things, we had some good conversations. And one of the documents that they sent to us was an instruction guide about how to get through the airport successfully. I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. So our global partner was explaining to us, here's kind of what it will look like. You'll go through these doors, around this place. It'll feel a bit like this. It might smell a bit like this. You go to these places and like this and this and this and this. And these will be a part of how this will play out. And then it had this rather ominous line at the end of the instruction saying, many people find the airport experience profoundly overwhelming. If you feel overwhelmed, feel free to just take a step back from the line, stop, take a few deep breaths, and then re-engage. And I read that and I thought, that's not terrifying at all. Thanks for that. That's that's, that's really great. And I I remember feeling a bit ominous about the whole concept of what was this really going to be like? But then as we landed in this location got off the plane and started to get into the airport experience, I was profoundly grateful for all of the preparation that we had been given. Because very truly, the airport experience was a little bit overwhelming. And as I remembered the, the note and that uh, document that had all that information, I was able to recognize it's not just me who feels this, it's going to be okay. As we went through the experience, it was a little bit chaotic and overwhelming, but we got through to the other side, and I saw the friendly and welcoming face of our global partner waiting for us on the other side of the airport, and I was like, okay, this is great. And it would have been so much more overwhelming had I not been prepared. And I think for so many of us, we can look at all kinds of different experiences in life, and we recognize we are so grateful that we have been well prepared. For example, I'm really, really grateful for the classes that we went to before having our first child, because that would have been a very overwhelming experience had I not known how this was supposed to go. You think about different kinds of moments in our lives where we are so grateful that we have been prepared and recognize how things might be so we can handle them really well when the moment comes. And this is what Jesus does for us in Mark chapter 13. We're currently working through a series on the Gospel of Mark, looking at the remarkable nature of Jesus. And in this chapter, we see Jesus preparing his followers for some of the intense or hard things that might happen throughout the experience of life before he returns all over again and a bit of what that's going to look like. And Jesus wants his followers to be really prepared for what these things might mean, for how this might go, so that they're not overwhelmed, so that they're not overcome, so that they're not deceived, so they can experience this well and meet him, the one they are pursuing, graciously on the other side of all of these things. And so as Jesus dives in, we have this encounter where they're in the temple courts. If you remember last week, they were in the temple courts and they were watching. They saw a whole bunch of amazing things. They saw a woman who gave two small copper coins. and This was an amazing offering because it was what she had to offer. And Jesus delighted in her and celebrates her. And then immediately after this particular moment, they've just seen her. They've just celebrated. Jesus and the disciples get up and they start to move out of the temple. And this is the last time that Jesus will ever enter the temple. As he walks through the door, we read... As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, "'Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings! "'Do you see all these great buildings?' replied Jesus. "'Not one stone here will be left on another. "'Every one of them will be thrown down.'" As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, "'Tell us, when will these things happen?' And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end of the world is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. So again, as they're leaving the temple courts, Jesus' disciples are around him, and they're looking at the beauty and the wonder of this place where they come to worship God and to delight in him, and they say to Jesus, look at how amazing this place is. And Jesus recognizes that in all of their hearts, they see the temple as the one unique place where they can encounter God in a powerful way. And Jesus wants them to be prepared for the fact that in about 40 years, this temple will be destroyed. In about 40 years, in the year 70 AD, the Romans came through and destroyed the temple and almost all of Jerusalem with it. And Jesus wants them to understand this so that they're not rocked to their core. They won't think that God has abandoned them or left them when this thing happens. And he wants them to understand there's all kinds of other hardships and difficulties. There's wars, there's famines, there's earthquakes, there's rumors of wars. There are all of these different kinds of things that will take place, but don't be overwhelmed and don't be overcome. Don't think in these moments that the world is ending. Recognize this is just the beginning of a whole new season of what's taking place in life in relationship with God. And when Jesus said this to the disciples, I'm sure they felt a little bit like I felt the first time I read those airport instructions. I'm sure they felt a little bit overwhelmed, maybe terrified, maybe unsure. Jesus, what do you mean that all of this is going to happen? What do you mean that there will be these kinds of hardships? but this is a really good gift of God's grace. Jesus isn't saying this to frighten them. He isn't saying this to to make them afraid. He isn't saying this to overwhelm them, but he's saying this so that they can be fully prepared for the things that will come their way, so they can handle them faithfully and well, so that they won't be shocked or shaken to the core of their being. And I love that they ask Jesus, would you tell us exactly when these things will happen? And Jesus doesn't tell them exactly when, but he gives them everything that they need. He gives them the encouragement to hold on to Him and to stay steadfast and to move forward. He helps them to understand that they can still recognize the pain and the hardships and all the uncertainties of life and to grieve these things really well, but not to lose heart or not to lose focus as they navigate through this particular experience of life. And maybe today, for many of us, this is something that we really need to hear. Again, it's possible that for many of us today, we're in a season of life where things feel stormy, A space in life where what's going on in our families or in our workplace or in the world around us just feels very rocky. We feel tempted to be hopeless or despairing or to feel unsure about how to move forward. Or maybe as we look at our life and we look at our world and we see all the chaos that is happening all around us, we are tempted to despair. We are tempted to believe that nothing good could ever happen again. And in these particular moments, Jesus would also remind us not to despair and not to be overcome. We're not the only people who've ever experienced hardship or pain or difficulty. We're not the only ones who feel this way. But the presence of God will strengthen and empower and sustain us. He wants to guide us through to a deep and profound experience of life, even in the midst of spaces of chaos and uncertainty. And so maybe today are there particular situations in your story at this moment in time that feel like they could have the weight to crush you, In these spaces, Jesus would invite us to bring these things towards him and to continue to draw courage and strength from the reality of who he is. And then Jesus moves on. As a perfectly wise one who understands all that is and all it could be, Jesus begins to move on and explain a number of situations that the disciples may face to encourage them and to strengthen them to move forward. He says first, you must be on your guard You will be handed over to local councils and flogged in synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at that time. For it will not be you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus wants to prepare them for the fact that religious leaders and political leaders may come at them over the course of their life and their experience of following him. There may be moments where they are taken and vilified and tried and mistreated in all kinds of circumstances, but in those spaces, he wants to give them hope as well. Because as we read this, and as we contemplate the possibility that things might be hard, we begin to feel overwhelmed by that reality. But Jesus points out to us that even in the middle of uncertainty— Even in situations where we may be vilified or accused or pushed off or being seen as uh, someone undesirable, we are never simply the victims of someone else's accusations. In any and every circumstance and in any and every situation, we have the capacity to join with the real and living God to present life and truth to people all around us. And He invites us into this beautiful and unique space Or even in hard spots, we can witness to the wonder and the truth of who Jesus is. We can delight in the glory of his presence. We can speak profoundly that he is real and that he is present and that he is God. And that even in those spaces of hardship or uncertainty, there can be such a profound kind of peace that it tells the world around us something very different. Jesus reminds us that in those kinds of situations and circumstances, we don't have to be afraid about what to say. We don't have to live anxious and uncertain trying to plan out everything that we might say or might do. We can just respond to the Spirit of God within us in those spaces, because He will give us abundantly all that we need. And I find it interesting in this dynamic that Jesus doesn't promise that we will be vindicated in those situations, but He doesn't promise that everything will go well, but He does tell us that He will give us everything that we need to be faithful witnesses for Him. He will give us everything that we need to fulfill the greatest purpose of our lives, to reveal the wonder and the truth, the glory and the presence of the living God. And so we should never lose hope regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how we may feel or what others may say about us. And then Jesus goes on to say, "'Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his children. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me.'" But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. He wants us also to recognize that trouble may not just come from the outside. It might come from our closest and our nearest relationships. There may be spaces of betrayal or uncertainty where those that we love and who love us deeply may even push against us because we belong to Jesus and because we are His. But he reminds us, in these situations, hold fast and stand firm. Don't give up because there is a beautiful salvation that is awaiting if we hold through all of these situations and all of these circumstances. And then Jesus begins to describe for us a particular situation. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where he does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on a housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the fields go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning, when God created the world until now and will never be equaled again." At the beginning of this part, when Jesus talks about the abomination that causes desolation, Jesus is referring back to about 200 years before when a man named Antinus Epiphanes put up a series of idols throughout the temple and offered unclean animals on the altars before them. It was this kind of tremendous desecration of the temple. And Jesus, in this context, is speaking to the people of that generation, saying, when you see these things happening in Jerusalem, when you see the temple being destroyed, when you see these kinds of things moving forward, recognize that something harsh and difficult is going to happen. Don't hold back. Don't try and cling to the temple. Flee from Judea and move out of those places because there's something else that God is doing. He's reminding us that he gives us the strength and capacity to continue to move forward And for some of us, there are challenging spaces where we have been called to leave behind things that we have always known or relationships that we've always trusted in and to choose to trust God first or to move forward into the interactions that He's inviting us into. And so what does it look like to continue to pursue Him, to walk faithfully and well with Him in whatever the season is and whatever He invites us forward and into? And then Jesus goes on. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard and hold, I have told you everything ahead of time. And I find this particular part tremendously reassuring. Because when we go through hardships, when we go through difficulties, when we face seasons of uncertainty, it always just feels overwhelming. It always just feels like life is careening out of control. It feels like there's nothing that can stop the movements of evil and darkness in our world. And maybe even over the course of the last week, as you've looked at your life and the world around you, it seems like there are situations that are hopeless. It seems like there are spaces where we don't know how to stop the evils that we see or hear about or the hardships that we or others are experiencing, but the beginning of this passage reminds us that God cuts short all of the movement of evil. That Regardless of how strong evil may seem, God still holds sovereign power, and one day He will move forward and simply say, Enough. Enough of darkness, enough of pain, enough of suffering, enough of death, enough of murder and discord and lies and deceit, enough of anguish and betrayal, enough of hardship, enough of death itself. It is just enough. And in that moment, He will put a stop to all the difficulty and the anguish, the pain that we feel. Everything will be moved back to the space as it ought to be. And Jesus is reminding us that up until that point, there may be many who will try to deceive the people of God, who will perform all kinds of different things to try and appear as if they are the one true God eager and desiring to be worshipped. But Jesus says, wait patiently for me. And in the midst of whatever you may face, continue to trust and to believe me. Know that suffering or pain or darkness or death are never the final word on our lives because the presence of God is enough. And one day he will simply end all of the hardship and the agony and the difficulty and move us forward into life as it ought to be. And then Jesus explains a bit of what it will look like at his appearing. In those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And He will send His angels to gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. And so even in the moments of pain or hardship or difficulty, Jesus reminds us that there is always tremendous hope, because He Himself will return, In a glorious expression of the wonder of His presence, at the sign of His coming, at the glory and the awesome nature of His power and might, the sun will stop shining and the moon will not give its light. His power is so magnificent that stars and solar systems will simply fall out of the galaxy and the constellations themselves will be shaken with the glory of His presence." And even though darkness and evil seem so big and overwhelming in the here and now, when we see the glory and the wonder of His coming and the beauty of His face, everyone everywhere will recognize that He is the undisputed ruler and creator, the wonder of all things, and that nothing can stand against Him. Even the physical reality itself begins to unwind and unmingle at the wonder of His presence as He sustains and strengthens all life and moves it back to the space that it ought to be. Then he says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you will know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know that it is near right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. When Jesus refers in this passage to the idea that this generation will not pass away before it sees these things, he's hearkening back to this idea, the generation that he is speaking to will not pass away until the destruction of the temple. And then he moves back to this concept that there are times and spaces where heaven and earth will pass away, there's significant shift, and when we see darkness or hardship or difficulty, we shouldn't simply see these things and assume that it is the end. As we see darkness or hardship or pain, we should look past these things to the wonder of his presence, the goodness of his appearing, and to hold confident and sure to the hope that he is Lord and God and sovereign over all things, that he is active and moving to redeem absolutely everything. And then Jesus concludes by showing us that we have a task that we are called to do between that moment and the fullness of his return. But about the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard, be alert. You know that when that time, you know, you do not know when that time will come. It's like a man who's going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. Each of them has an assigned task. He tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch." And I think one of our greatest temptations, as we look at passages like this describe kind of what will take place in the future, and the fullness of Jesus' return, one of our greatest temptations is to get consumed with the thought that we need to figure out when this is supposed to happen. We get consumed with this idea and wrapped up in the thoughts of maybe this means this, or this could mean this. Does that mean that Jesus is coming in this way, or this person fulfills this particular role? But that's not what Jesus is saying to us. Jesus reminds us that nobody knows when he's coming back. The angels don't know. He does not even know, only the Father. And throughout history, every single person who's ever tried to predict the time when Jesus returns has been wrong. And his greatest challenge and his greatest invitation to us is to be a people who are watchful a people who were purposeful about the good things that he's inviting us into. He describes to us this scene, that the master of a house puts his servants in charge and gives every single one of them a task. And Jesus would remind me and he would remind you that he's given every single one of us a particular task. He has placed you exactly in the spot that you are for a particular reason in the family that you're in, in the workplace that you're in, the community that you're in, in the time that you're in, for a particular role. And what would it look like for us to embrace the role and the calling that he has for us in this unique moment? To be faithful and sure, to be watchful so that we are about the work that he has entrusted to us whenever it is that he chooses to appear. What would that be like? It says the Apostle Peter describes for us as well. He says to us, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, and so instead of us obsessing over timelines and events, we are invited to be a people who embrace fully the unique calling that God has for each one of us. And what do you think it would look like to make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with God? Again, for some of us today, we recognize that the unique challenge for us is to embrace the calling that Jesus has for, for us in this moment, to share the wonder and the goodness of who he is with the people that he's bringing across our path. For others of us, in this day there's a challenge that we should embrace the calling to be found spotless and blameless. And maybe we know that there's parts about our lives that need to be set right, things that need to be shifted or adapted or um, submitted fully into the hands of God so that we can be right with him in the fullness of his appearing. And today, are you at peace with God? Again, for some of us, we're not really at peace with God because we feel bitter or frustrated or tense with God about events of the past. For some of us, we're not really at peace with God because the hardship and the difficulty and the strain of life feels overwhelming, and we have lost our peace. And for others of us, we may not be at peace with God this morning because we don't know God, because we recognize that in this moment, we don't actually have a relationship with God through Christ. And if that's you this morning, Jesus would invite you to recognize you don't have to try and earn it or work towards it. He's already paid everything that's necessary. As a gift of His good grace, He would invite you to come to know Him and to walk with Him, to learn His way of life, and to experience the freedom that He has for you. When I think back to all of those years ago walking through that airport, I was so grateful that I had been well-prepared for what I was going to face so I could come out on the other side and see the friendly face of the person that I had moved forward to visit and to see. Again, Jesus wants me and you and every one of us to be prepared for the fact that in life there may be troubling and difficult moments, but that we can walk through these things faithfully and well. And on the other side, we had this unique opportunity to witness the glory and the wonder of His presence, to see the beauty and the friendliness of this face that we have journeyed every day and every moment to experience. And so what do we need to do in our hearts or our souls to be prepared for that moment? You know, I try and think as often as I can that when that moment comes for me, I want my experience of stepping from this life into the fullness of the presence of God to be as easy as stepping from one part here to another part of the platform. I want to be as prepared as I possibly can. And so in your life, what would that look like to be as prepared as you possibly could to enter into the presence of the living God? Again, for some of us, maybe it's choosing to embrace the unique calling that He has for you. Maybe it's choosing to work through and to make every effort to find freedom in a particular aspect and area of your life. Maybe it's to find peace with him from areas where you are bitter or disgruntled or tense or feeling overwhelmed with fear at the harshness of what you're experiencing. And Maybe for some of us today, it's about entering a relationship with Jesus for the very first time and saying, Lord, I want to find peace with you. So let's just take a moment with Jesus and whatever it is that he may want to say to us in this space. Just ask him, Lord, where do you want to guide me? Where do you want to direct me? Is there some part of my life that needs to be adapted or changed so that I will be prepared to enter into the fullness of your presence? Let's just take a few moments for this now. And this morning, if you're here or if you're watching this later online, you want to begin a relationship with God. Simply kind of pray in your heart something like this with me. Lord, I want the life that you have for me. Lord, I want to be at peace with you. I recognize that there's parts of my life that are wrong. Would you forgive me for the sins and the brokenness in who I am? Would you welcome me into your family? I give my life to you without reservation. Teach me to follow you and walk with you in everything. Amen.